0: When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, because I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Welcome back to the TLP Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Short. Today's going to be a l- fun and a little different today we're going to be talking about wealth building in general with a specific leaning towards real estate and i say wealth building instead of just making a lot of money or being quote rich on purpose and you could ask justin what's the difference and just doing a quick google search to look at how different people explain it I found a lot of people talk in terms of sustainability. You can make 2 to 300,000 a year and be rich by most metrics used, but what if that paycheck quit coming in? How would how long would you be able to sustain? Rich is often front and center. You can tell someone's rich or they've got money or maybe they've got a lot of credit. But Wealth is often hidden. You don't see that as easily. Chris Rock described it several years ago as, Shaq is rich. The guy who pays Shaq is wealthy. And it may have been Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't know where I heard this quip originally, but in regards to real estate, I had heard or read a line that has always stuck with me. And it says, flip and get rich, hold and get wealthy. And it turns out, at least for me, it's true. Properties I've flipped have given me money for a moment in time. The properties I've held on to have given me wealth. They've given me consistent cash flow and appreciation, or some would call that sustainability. And I'm coming at this episode with my own bias or belief That the greatest value money can provide you or I with is the freedom of our time. The ability to do what we want with who we want for as long as we want. And I prefer that to the nicest cards I could afford or the fanciest clothes I could afford or $10,000 watches. Now, I don't take it to the extreme of dressing like a bum and not shaving or driving around 30-year-old cars, but I will say we probably don't have the nicest automobiles in our group of friends back home in St. Louis, but it's because of my own hierarchy or our own hierarchy of needs. I place freedom above adulation. You can think whatever you want of me if I'm free. My friends will sometimes joke with me, as perhaps maybe some of yours have, all in good fun with the old, you're not a real doctor, you're a dentist, line. To which I'll reply and joke back with something like, I don't care what you call me, but remember who has to get up and go to work Monday. Because to me, that's what matters. We live in a nice neighborhood for our area, I'm guessing like a lot of you do as well. And I prefer being the guy who's walking around the neighborhood in the morning with my kids or my wife and watching everyone else pass me in their fancy cars and their fancy clothes on their way to work. And there's nothing wrong with going to work. I still work and I work hard, but it's on my terms. I know some of you understand that thinking and feel the same way. And you, who you are, who this podcast is for. I get this episode may not be for everyone, and that's okay. My feelings won't get hurt. They don't get hurt if you turn this episode off. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't want to be someone's financial advisor, but our goal of this podcast is to share with you things within your practice and life that we feel will help you to become more successful for the long term. Another catalyst for this particular episode was because a couple months ago, I did an interview with three of my female clients, Drs. Paula, Alex, and Jennifer, and those gals are awesome. If you haven't listened to it, I hope that you will. One of the things we touched on in that podcast was their investments in real estate, and Alex, a former client of mine, had mentioned how I had helped her to get started in St. Louis with some essentially turnkey rentals. I think she's up to like six properties in the past year now, all doing well, and she's buying more. Alex is in Arizona, and she's never seen these properties she owns in person, which may sound odd, but if you have the right team and systems in place, it's really not that odd. I haven't seen probably over, I'd guess, 80% of the properties I own, and they're all within 10 to 15 miles of my house. I've also done, I actually also own two in Florida that I've never seen. I've also done the same thing with Alex as um, I've done it with Derek and Steve and several other clients. I look at the houses online that my property manager who I've been with for 10 years now goes and looks at them for me, knowing my criteria and her criteria because she doesn't want to waste her time trying to manage and rent crap. And then if she approves, We'll put our offer in, or sometimes we'll put an offer in preemptively with the right to inspect within 24 to 48 hours of an approved offer. I'd say we end up passing once we actually get eyes on the property, even if the pictures look good, I'd say we end up passing on probably 60% plus once she gets in there and looks them over. But since that episode, I've got a lot of emails asking more about how do we do that? So I'm going to discuss that in more detail, exactly how we do that, what it looks like, and then give, give some of you an opportunity to start building your own wealth or maybe to enhance what you're already doing. One thing I want to mention, real estate is not something I or Derek or Steve start off discussing with all clients. I'd say with at least 50% of the time, it never even gets brought up with our coaching clients. It is not something that we beat our clients or anyone else over the head with, but it is something that has greatly benefited me. So if that experience helps someone else who is interested in it, if I can help them in any way, great, let's do it. If not, great, let's not do it. For me personally, real estate has been my biggest wealth building tool, but I couldn't have done what I've done and still do with my real estate had my practice not been strong enough to give off the profit or fuel to then take that profit and multiply it and turn it into income that shows up in my bank account every month, whether I get out of bed, turn on my computer, look at my phone, etc. Regardless if I'm in Florida, as I am now for the winter, at my home in St. Louis, or sitting in the woods in northern Missouri, I do feel If you want to become wealthy, the best way is to buy assets instead of liabilities. So you may say, Justin, I don't like real estate. I'm not interested in it. And it's a stupid waste of time and I hate you. That's fine. But I still stick to my belief that the best way to become wealthy or financially independent is to buy assets that will hopefully over time go up in value, appreciation, but also throw off money to you every single month or year. If it's real estate, great. If it's not, great. And yes, the market will go up and down. We all know that. However, I've been fortunate enough to acquire assets continually over the past 15 years that have, for the most part, you know, it wasn't always straightened up and to the right, but for the most part have went up to some extent, regardless if I was doing a class two in my dental office, at home, or traveling with my family, coaching other dentists, etc., so that money I made 1, 5, 15 years ago has been put to work to then make me more money over time. Instead of buying a Lambo, I continue to buy assets that create more sustainability of the level of wealth or the freedom of time that I've managed to acquire. And one reason I've invested in real estate is because I knew – I didn't want to have to quote work my entire life and hopefully hopefully end with 10 to 15 good years at the end of my life to quote enjoy and be able to spend my time doing what I wanted to do with who I want to do it. And honestly, it really wasn't even the work. You know, as I say it out loud, I don't think work is the right word. I actually like working. Heck, I'm working right now. Working, whether it's coaching or working on my farms or real estate or something else, gives me purpose. It keeps me sharp, I like to think. I think work is noble. What I'm not a fan of is having to be at a certain place at a certain time, dictated by other people to make money. No one is making me record this right now. No one tells me when to go up to my farm and put in work there. That's what I love and what I crave. So knowing what I wanted for my life, which was to have freedom of time, I was left with two options. Either accumulate this big pile of money and then take a little from that each month to pay my bills and live life and hope I time it right and don't run out of it too soon. But I didn't like that idea for several reasons. One was time. For me to do that, it would have taken me much longer in my estimation, to get to that point that I felt like I had enough. Really, what is enough? I don't even know yet. Number two, it just made me feel uneasy. I would have been fearful all the time to look at this amount, and I didn't want to feel like this is all I get, so I hope it lasts. I better not go out to dinner tonight because that's just one less meal I'll get in the future. I hope the market doesn't go down 30%. Now, I I only have enough money to sustain me to age 65. I just didn't like that way. Some of you do. Some people do that. It's fine. I don't. The other option for me was to have enough passive income coming in each month that in theory there was an infinite or there is an infinite supply of money coming in. That's what I chose. Right now, I think we can all agree we're... In a historic time for most of us in regards to inflation will it be the last time in our lives that ha- that happens I doubt it if we live long enough but guess what happens during inflation when you already own assets what happens when housing prices go up 10 to 30 percent and rent rates go up 10 to 30 percent and you own 10 20 hundred properties The answer is you get wealthier. But Justin, that's only on paper. You don't actually get wealthier unless you sell. Well, kind of right. But guess where that increase in rent goes? It goes in my pocket right now. Then if that is invested well, the goal is to turn that money into more assets so that you can better weather other storms in the future. And who knows what the future will bring? I don't but I can say I will be surprised if we get a pullback in real estate to the price point we were even, let's say, five years ago. It's not impossible, though. But if they do, great. I'll buy more. And as long as I don't need to sell when that happens, it doesn't really affect me that much. Now, now what I see way more of is investors with plenty of money praying for a pullback, And my guess is that will soften any upcoming downside. Again, those are just my guesses. I don't know the future any better than you or anyone else. I do, however, know that inflation is pushing the value of the money you're holding onto down. When you own assets, it pushes your wealth up. If my money is sitting in my bank, account earning 0.025% a year and inflation is 8%, well, I'm losing over 7% just standing there. While if that money is in cash flowing assets, that money is growing, albeit on paper, while putting more money in my account every month. And if I had to boil down, like really boil it down to like a line of how to become wealthy, here's what I would say. Make your assets pay for any liabilities you want to have. You can have anything you want in life if you buy something that will pay for it. And as soon as I was able to, I've tried to follow this principle. Think about it. If you want that new G-Wagon or Tesla and say the payment is going to be 1000 a month, what's smarter? Going and buying it straight up like an OG rich person or buying an asset, let's say a rental property or a few, that give you $1,000 a month cash flow. And then you use that to pay your car note. So on one hand, if you just go buy the car, you're pissing away $1,000 a month, or $100,000, let's say, upfront. Then that liability starts depreciating as soon as you drive it off the lot. On the other hand, if you buy an asset, You're left, at the end of the day, with the car paid off that has some value, and you've got the equity and appreciation in this rental property that will, in theory, keep producing for you as long as you own it. And that's how I've looked at most things over my career. I follow that rule most of the time, and even though now I can afford to go and pay for most things we want in life in cash, I still exercise the discipline to follow that rule, because it has served me so well. And that was a generic example. I'm going to give you another real-life example to put it in perspective. So you may have heard me before say in the past that I knew when I retired from hands-on dentistry, I wanted to spend the winter somewhere warm. I sold my practice in October of 2017, so there wasn't that much time before winter. So that first winter, sticking to my goals and vision, we went to a resort For a couple weeks in southern Florida. The next January 2019. We went to Naples, Florida for two months. In January and February. It cost me $25,000 to rent that house. That we stayed at for two months. Okay. Not the end of the world. But in that model. I was buying that G-Wagon straight up. With nothing to show for it at the end of the day. Except a good time in Florida. Which has has some value, I know, but it wasn't sustainable. It was a moment in time, then it was over. So later in 2019, after our trip to Naples, we purchased our home that we currently spend the winters in on Anna Maria Island, which has been a place we went to for years and feels like home to us. We paid $825,000 for the house. It's four bedrooms, three and a half baths, pool, hot tub. We can see the beach and the bay from our house. And we can walk to all of our favorite restaurants down here. And our payments were like $3,300 a month after a down payment. Now remember, I just paid the year before $25,000 for two months. So if I'm now paying $3,300 a month, that's about 39,000 a year. It's only $14,000 more and I own the place. And if I rent out our home when we're not here, nine and a half months a year, let's say, I only had to make up the difference of 14000 and I was breaking even. And that's not taking into consideration appreciation, depreciation, write-offs, etc. Now, fast forward almost three years, the value of the home I'm in right now has over doubled and the home brings in Over $145,000 a year in rental income when we're not here. I still have to pay uh, a management fee in a mortgage. Um, Well, mortgage is gone, but I still have to pay a management fee in utilities on the house and taxes. So that $145,000 is not all profit, but there's still plenty of profit left over even once all those expenses are paid. So let's be conservative. I could have rented a place as most people do for the past two years and continuing in which case I'd be $50,000 poorer right now, probably more due to increase in rental rates. And I could have been paying those property, those property owners mortgage for them. Or instead I could buy my own place, double our money in appreciation and make, let's call it $50,000 a year Um, on top of paying all the expenses related to this house. I would actually make less money if I didn't own this home. And just to run out the possibility here and get you even more excited, now we own three Florida homes. And like I said, the original one that I referenced is now paid off. And I want to be very clear here. I'm reading the psychology of money. And it's a good book. You should check it out. And in the book, it talks about giving too much credit to yourself in good or bad outcomes. Every decision we make has a degree of risk and luck built in. I don't think I'm the Warren Buffett of real estate because my Florida home has doubled in a few years. Yes, I put in work into making what I thought was a wise decision, and I took action. But I'm not oblivious to the luck involved to have purchased at a good time. Just like had the house decreased by 50%, I wouldn't have thought I was the world's worst real estate investor. Again, a little bit of luck is always involved. And for the record, I didn't start with a property or properties like that. I started with a uh, all 100 to 150 thousand properties that rent four thousand to fourteen hundred dollars a month, and I've worked my way up over many years, and that's what we're going to talk about right now, which is kind of my bread and butter. So back at home in St. Louis, I've been investing for about 15 years, and I own roughly 50 rental doors, give or take, at any one time. I've worked very hard to find a good team that has allowed me to scale. I have a banker property manager, an insurance guy, and a title company that I use for every single deal I do, unless I don't you just use a bank, and then obviously I don't need a banker. They're all very good at what they do. I don't get kickbacks from them if I send them business. This isn't, a, isn't some multi-level marketing scheme. I use them because they're good, and they make my life very easy after years of finally finding the right people. And that's why I send them business. They deserve it. What I do now for some clients, I actually started a while ago with only Steve and Darren, then almost by accident expanded to clients that wanted to get into real estate and either couldn't find numbers that made sense where they live or due to lack of time to trial and error to find the right team, et cetera. Whatever the reason is, I started helping some clients start investing as well. I look for properties almost every single day in the areas I invest in. I enjoy it. I'm weird. I've done it for like 15 years now and it's just what I do. It doesn't feel like work to me. I can't buy every property I think makes sense for an investment. So for these clients, I find the property, it has to be something I would buy for myself, then I get it under contract. Then I send a text out to my folks and say, hey, here's the property. This is the purchase price. This is what it should rent for. And then usually pretty quick, someone texts me back and says, I'll take it. Once they do that, we send them a contract. They sign via DocuSign on their phone or computer. And then I'll forward it on to the banker and the title company, our insurance guy and property manager that they're already set up with. I I set them up with my entire team. It's easy turnkey, and in my mind, it's relatively safe as far as investments go. Now, Justin, why would you do this? Just to be a good Samaritan? Well, yes and no. I'm essentially wholesaling the property to my folks. So, I make some money on the spread of what I get the property under contract for, and then turn around and sell it to them for. I'm not getting rich or wealthy on these deals, but it does take my time up, and my time is valuable, just like yours. But Justin, why would they do that? Good question. So let's go through it. First, it's taken me years to assemble a team I work with that I'm handing over to them. They're trading time for money. It would take them time to do the same thing I've managed to do it would take them a lot of time to learn the areas they plan to invest in. Like I said, I got a 15 year head start in the areas I've chosen. I'm spending the time to find the property, get it under contract and make it turnkey for them. So the pressure is on me to find a property that makes sense and the numbers work for both sides. I can't have them paying over what I feel the property is worth. And it takes kissing a lot of frogs to find the deals that work for both sides. And it helps them to get started on con- or continue to build their wealth. For instance, I probably put in six contracts in the last week, did not get one. market's tough. So each of those takes time. Now, what if no one wants to buy it from me after I get a property under contract? Well, This has actually never happened, but what I'd likely do is just buy it myself. Again, I'm not going to sell someone something I wouldn't buy myself in the first place. My reputation is way more important to me than the couple thousand dollars I'd earn on that deal. So some of you may ask, how is this different than companies you see advertising online to buy into big projects or syndication deals or like a Grant Cardone? The difference here in my mind is you're building your own portfolio. You're not partnering with me or anyone else. You own the property yourself, and it's being managed by my property manager for you. She's actually working for you. At that point, she doesn't work for me. She manages at the same rate for you as she does for me, and although my people get the same discount, I do. I pay the same as they do. Um, They get... my people get the same discount at the title company as I do. They get the same rates at the bank that I do. Um, so you have control over each and every property. You may end up with 20 properties. And if you need, you know, some money, you sell one, you don't have to sell the whole thing. You don't have to wait five years to sell or get your money back or you get all the appreciation, etc. So that's why I like it more than syndication deals. And that's why I don't do bigger syndication deals. Um, But going back to how we work, my goal is to find good properties with decent returns that I know will be managed well for the people I work with. Whether I did this for others or not, I'm still going to be watching the markets in the areas I invest in. So I look at it as a win-win. I will also say for the folks that have done it so far, everyone has purchased multiple properties and they continue to want to buy more my list keeps growing, which I think speaks volumes to the system we have down. What's stopping folks from coming to St. Louis and finding their own properties and their own team and bypassing me? Absolutely nothing. That doesn't bother me at all, but I think my buyers like the turnkey ease that it offers and they prefer to pay a few extra bucks to have someone who knows the market well and to use a team already set in place. And, I like it because although there are no guarantees for me, them, you, anyone, I feel like they're being as safe, at least as well as I know how. I know they're going to be well-serviced, and I know they're getting decent properties and investments. Just like with your own team, in your office possibly, it took me a lot of time and trial and error to find the team I work with in St. Louis. Once I found that team that did good work and I trusted them, I was able to scale much faster. And that's what I try to offer. For some of you, you have that expertise and you can find good returns around the areas you live. Then obviously, this wouldn't make as much sense for you. And again, this isn't for everyone. I didn't necessarily go into it planning on falling into this role. Like I said, it's been a very good scenario for all involved so far, and it fills a need, and it's helped my partners and clients so far that would have likely had a hard time getting going on their own somewhere else. And just to give you an idea, with the market continuing to go up, our typical deal right now is a decent three-bedroom, one-to-two-bath house um, that sells for $150,000, give or take, and rents for $1,300 to $1,400 a month, give or take. We don't buy crap. You can choose to buy crap cheaper, and some do, but that's not my lane. I've tried that early on, and for me, the headaches were not worth the few percentage increase in returns. For purchases my buyers and myself are putting 20% down. So on a $150,000 property, they put, let's say, 30% down. So as I mentioned, I've got a lot of emails asking about what we talked about on that episode a few times ago, on that previous podcast. And that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Up until this point, like I said, I've only done it for Derek and Steve and a handful of other clients. I can't stress it enough. I don't push it, they don't push it. But I know there is a need, and if it helps, great. Our core business is still helping docs become more successful in their practices and lives, and it will remain so. That being said, I'm going to offer to do this for more, a few more docs out there, even if you're not a client. Obviously, I can't do it for everyone. It's not my entire life. But for a handful that are looking to invest in something like I've described today, then email me and I'll answer your questions. Justin at the thelifestylepractice.com. And if you want to start doing some turnkey investing, let's discuss. If you're not really serious, I ask that you don't just kind of email entire kick. If you're really interested, you want to get answers, email away. And maybe no one will want to, which is also fine, but I'm at least offering because I think there is a need based on the emails I've gotten. Maybe you know you need to do something to start building wealth for your future outside of your practice, and the numbers around you don't make sense or you don't know how to get started. Well, this might be a good option. Perhaps you believe in the same idea that the greatest benefit money can provide is freedom of time, and maybe your practice is already successful, and as you'd like it to be and you just need some guidance on how to turn your riches into sustainable wealth. Either way, I encourage you to figure out how to put your money to work for you. Set yourself up for the future now. Start accumulating some assets that appreciate while you're pushing a handpiece so that you don't have to push a handpiece until the day you die or until you're really old like me. Or if you do... It's totally your choice. and If you don't do it now, the money you're holding on to, sitting in your bank, doing nothing, I'm not saying invest all of it. You should always keep a safety net there. Duh. But that money just sitting there is not working for you. It's only losing value. And I don't care where you do it or how you do it or who you do it with. I want the best for you. And for that reason, I encourage you to start taking advantage of the time that you have. Get some assets, let them grow, and build sustainable wealth for the long term. Again, if you're interested in this opportunity I mentioned, you can email me at justin at thelifestylepractice.com. Or if you want to get in touch with Derek or Steve, you can reach them at Derek or steve at thelifestylepractice.com. Like I mentioned, our number one goal and focus of TLP is still to help doctors build their practice and lives to become more successful. So that's it. Now I'm headed to the beach to play some can jam with my kids. Literally. So until next week, peace. a net, never break a sweat, cause I live my life like it's all I got.